Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bruiser Nation members of all ages, does everybody know what time it is? It's Bruise Cruise time! So you can talk about the new era, but it doesn't matter to me because I know what you really want. And I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what you crave right now. Tonight, I give you the gift of Jericho. Drink it in, man. Bruiser Nation, raise those anchors and get ready to wear the official merch of Bruiser Nation Productions. Visit BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com and show the world your love of the Bruiser Nation as you go about your day in style. We have Bruise Cruise Podcast and to the turnbuckle tees, hoodies, jackets, shoes, bags, and even pillows. You heard that right. Pillows. That's BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com once again, BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com. And remember, Bruiser Nation, stay good, because I'm always good. Bruiser Nation, welcome back to our two-part spotlight on the formerly known as Modern Day Classic, now the main man, and not M-A-I-N, no, M-A-N-E, the main man, Jerry Bishop, this time teaming with Tim Hulkey as Arctic Thunder, only the second time that they have teamed up to take on the amazing Graysons, JP and Tommy Grayson. This is from the Wrestle Pro Alaska tour that just ended a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. The amazing Graysons are already in the ring, and while we await arctic thunder to complete their entrance i want to remind you check out all of our merch at bruisernationproductions.com slash merch we have links to both of our merch partners on there check and as well check out to the turnbuckle every tuesday except this tuesday because i am heading to blood and guts a long drive ahead of me 
Tuesday evening. But almost every Tuesday, unless one of us is on vacation, to the turnbuckle. Facebook Live, thanks to Bruiser Nation Productions, Heel Turn Wrestling, and the Score on Air Network from 5 to 8 Tuesday nights. Looks like we are going to have Tommy and Tim Hulkey start this tag team matchup. Jerry Bishop trying to get the crowd to up and fired up, clapping for the crowd, asking for favors. Bow and elbow tie up right in the center of the ring. Tim is Tim Hulkey forced to the corner. Referees begins his count, asks for a clean break. Just a little shove by Tommy Grayson. Jaw jacking along the way against Tim Hulkey. Another bow and elbow tie-up. This time, Tim Hulkey forces Tommy into the corner. Double hand chop. Not a full one. Breaking in the corner. Just a little tease, if you will, from what Tim Hulkey has in store for Tommy and J.P. Grayson. Bone elbow tie-up attempt, but kicked in the gut is Tim Hulkey and a hard elbow to the side of the face. Tim Hulkey in the corner. Irish whip, corner to corner. Grayson goes for a clothesline. Hulkey ducks. Arm drag by Tim Hulkey. Working that arm. Seated arm bar by Tim Hulkey. Arm ringer by Hulkey. Really rings it in. But delivers a, gets a knee to the gut delivered. Grace, Tommy Grayson rushes to the corner to get JP. Double leg takedown by Tim Hulkey. Another arm bar this time on JP Grayson. And an arm ringer. I think this is Tim Hulkey's forte working that arm. I'm not sure. I've never seen him wrestle before, but we'll know. Tag to, <coughs> tag in to Jerry Bishop, who continues to work the arm, really cinching it in, shoulder block, arm ringer, lifting him in, an ar- in the air by one arm, really torquing it in, tags in Tim Hulkey, double axe handle to the arm, yep, this is going, oh, arm breaker, and another arm ringer, they are not letting go of J.P. Grayson's arm, but he's able to get a headlock, get back to his corner, double Irish whip by the Grayson's. Double shoulder block. Steps over Tim Hulkey. Bounces off the rope. Does Tommy goes for an elbow? Tim Hulkey gets out of the way. Arm ringer again by Tim Hulkey. Forcing back to the corner. Jerry Bishop tags in. Really cinching it in. Elbow to the arm. His arm is going to be sore as hell after this. Standing shoulder block, not releasing the arm. Another arm ringer. Tommy Grayson. Knee to the arm of Tommy Grayson by Jerry Bishop. Backs him up into the corner. Tim Hulkey tags in. Lots of quick tags here by Arctic Thunder. 
double elbow two Grayson cover one two Grayson kicks out at two still working that arm is Tim Hulk he has Tommy Grayson in an arm bar in complete control of the number one tag team in Russell Pro Alaska Jerry Bishop and JP Grayson jaw jacking with each other neither one in the corner Tommy Grayson pulls the hair of Tim Hulkey, bounces him off the ropes, who eats a knee right to the back from J.P. Grayson. Now the Graysons have taken control, isolating Tim Hulkey in their corner. Double chop, vicious by the Graysons. Bounces him into the corner. Stomp, stomp, stomp right there, delivered to Tim Hulkey in the corner by J.P. Grayson. Irish whip, corner to corner. A hard one. Launching <coughs> Tim Hulkey into the corner. Literally bouncing off the corner. European uppercut from J.P. Grayson to Tim Hulkey. They have decided to isolate Tim Hulkey, which must have been their game plan all along. Three hard forearms to the back of Hulkey. Shoulder breakers. Shoulder drivers to the back of Tim Hulkey in quick succession. Three of them by Tommy Grayson. Another tag by the Graysons. Irish whip forcing Tim Hulkey backwards into the corner. More like a double. Irish grabs him by the leg, yanks him to cover. One, two. Tim Hulkey kicks out at two. Just yanking Hulky out of the corner to get him in the center of the ring for a good cover. JP has Hulky complete control. Waist lock on the canvas. Hulky's trying to get out of this, forcing his way back to his feet. Hard elbow delivered by Hulky. Another one goes for the tag. The tights are grabbed. JP Grayson backdrop. Belly to back suplex, not a backdrop. Delivered by J.P. Grayson. Tommy Grayson gets the tag. Hard stomp to the back shoulders of Tim Hulkey by Tommy Grayson. Lifts him up by his hair and stomps right, not, not stomps, drops his rear right on to the back of Tim Hulkey bounces off the ropes goes for a senton Hulkey's able to get out of the way he took way too much time taunting the crowd and taunting Hulkey for hit for Hulkey to stay down for that senton attempt both men down on the ring Jerry Bishop is dying for the tag JP wants to get Tommy out of the ring Tommy is moving ever so slightly to the corner. That senton, that missed senton hurt a lot. Gets the tag into JP. Tim Hulkey's able to get the tag to Jerry Bishop. Right hand, right hand delivered to the Graysons. Another right hand to both Graysons. Stalling body slam by Jerry Bishop. Irish whip Jerry Bishop to Tommy Grayson. Backdrop to Tommy Grayson, who landed awkwardly there. More on the small of his back. Irish whip to J.P. Grayson. Bigs launching powerbomb. One, two. J.P. kicks out at two. Pop-up powerbomb delivered 
to J.P. Grayson by Jerry Bishop. And a nice replay of the pop-up powerbomb. Boom! Forces Jerry Bishop into the corner. Goes Jerry Bishop out of the corner now. Forces Bishop onto his shoulders. Jerry Bishop goes for a roll-up attempt. Bouncing JP off of Tommy. Bridges. And he got it. Jerry Bishop. Jerry Bishop got him. With the roll-up bridge delivered to JP Grayson. Jerry Bishop knew Tim Holke was in a bad way. Had to get out of this any way he could. So he went ahead and used his brains. Forcing JP to smack heads with Tommy. Rolling him up and bridging for the victory. 2-0 Arctic Thunder after being formed just a day prior to this matchup. Can they continue and grab the tag team championships in WrestlePro Alaska? Or would the rest of the teams in WrestlePro stand in their way? Thank you so much for listening to our special edition on Jerry Bishop Bruiser Nation. Every Thursday, we get the regularly scheduled program of the Bruise Cruise podcast, the only podcast to bring you pro wrestling for your ears. But we are releasing these special editions early so that I can take care of my good friend, Jerry Bishop, spotlight him a little bit, and make it down to Jacksonville for blood and guts. Check out our merch, bruisernationproductions.com slash merch. We have links to both of our merch partners there, both Kin Custom and Spreadshirt.com. They're quick. They do direct-to-garment printing. It's nice, pretty sleek. If there's any issues, they will fix it for you. And remember, Bruiser Nation, stay good, because I'm always good. booked a you know convicted sex offender and you know puts you in the ring with somebody that's not only untrained but is like a heroin addict that's like a junkie on the street you know who if they were to bleed might give you some kind of like severe s you know severe like uh blood borne illness or something you know what i mean I mean, you got to be careful out there. I was, I, I think that happens less and less. I would hope. I wouldn't know, but I, because I, I think we, I think it does, bro. Does it? Um, because with like the social media shit, you know what I mean. Like mm. nowadays, somebody can get put on blast, and everybody knows. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. And some people don't care, but those those feds won't be around. Like that's the only. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. They, they weed themselves out real quick. Because people stop going to the well, show, I mean, people yeah. get hurt, and it's like, nope, we're not supporting that. Which, is, which I think this. is good in wrestling, you know? Like, because you remember back in the 2000s, man, like, you know, you you would have these feds, and, like, I think you probably know some of the promoters I tell, I, that I know, that I, 
you're, you're probably going to have some of the promoters that um, like are going to come to mind guys that like that Joe knew and stuff like that. Um, when I, when I mentioned situations like some of these feds would come and do like these like really carny shows where they would like um, start booking guys and calling them like, you know, Dick Flair, the nature boy, uh, Bubba Rhodes, you know, like, and they would even like call, like change the name of their promotion to like WCW, you know, like, like fought, like put like a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin on a flyer and say like Stone Cold's going to be there. And then it would be like, you know, Stone Cold Dave Austin or something like that. You know what I mean? Like the, that kind of crap, like you can't get a, like the, the carny promote, they can't get away with that stuff now because they get exposed, you know, which is the good thing about the internet. You know yeah, what I mean? It's that's the best part because that shit's got to go and it, it's never going to fully go oh, away, yeah. but the, mm-hmm. the more we can out it out as, as fans and, and, and professionals, like, I'm just, cause whether yeah. you're an Indian guy or not, if you're out there making money, as far as I'm concerned, you're a professional. You're just not exactly. You're just not signed to a giant company. You're still a professional. If you're constantly well, and, and, making and, money yeah. and getting bookings, you're a professional. And you know, and the, the cool thing is, is that like people, I know people that can actually make a decent living on the independence now. Like, you know, there's so much more. I mean, you know, here we are, like in the middle of COVID. It's a different story. But, like, I mean, I was going to say, like, pre, you know, within the last two years, you know, before 2020, you know, you, I was, you know, people were making, you know, starting to make um, a living on the independence, which is crazy to think about. I mean, consider, you know, the 2000s when, you know, there was, you know, it was like WWE or TNA or ROH, you know, and like the indies weren't like, you know, fantastic, you know what I mean? It took, I think it took Ring of Honor to get people into the indie scene, to be honest. Like, cause oh, yeah, our thought, old school ROH was great. I mean, it's still great, you know? Yeah, because everybody thought, oh, WWE's the only place. Everybody else is just playing around. And it took forever for Ring of Honor to show people that that's, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Well, see, what I liked about ROH, too, um, was that I, I liked how um, – I want to say it might have been like the same production company that ECW had because like the story that I heard was that was it Carrie Silken was that his name like the original um, Booker uh, for ROH? I think so. I think so. Now I know Rob Feinstein started it or he founded it, but I think it, but it was Carrie Silken that really made it. Um, spectacular with his booking and all the stuff with punk and Joe and, you know, everything great that came from that time frame. But I want to say he was like, um, he was like a protege of Paul Heyman and they had like the same production company as ECW. I could be wrong about that, but I do know he was a protege of Paul Heyman, but it was like, they took what ECW did you know, and just decided to do the opposite because, you know, the attitude era was a thing. And then even WCW had a bunch of hardcore stuff where like 
ECW was like so hardcore and so extreme. And then ROH was like, we're going to have honor and, you know, like straight wrestling and people are going to shake hands and there's the code of honor. And it was just such a different concept from what wrestling had kind of become. And I thought it was really cool because it really stood out. You know what I mean? It, yeah. And it brought them to like the table to like a bigger audience. We got to see what they were like. And I was doing a quick Google search and you were, you were almost right. It was Carrie with a C silken. That was, Oh, okay. My bad. Was, no, you're, I mean, come on, man. It was from Oh four. How many bumps have you taken since then? Oh, too many. <laughs> but like, so how did you find yourself? I mean, I know you told me, but the people that listen to this podcast are going to know. How did you find yourself from small town Ohio to freaking Alaska? And what's it like in Russell Pro, Alaska? And, and what was the last loop like? It looks like it was crazy when you go on their Facebook page. It looks like you guys get a lot of fans, and they're fucking into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, um, so coming to Alaska was one of those things like, um, like I, I moved up here because uh, – my ex-wife um, brought my son up here and I wanted to be a part of his life. And I mean, honestly, like, you know, I had every intention of putting wrestling behind me when I moved up here. Um, but when I did, it was actually really cool what my dad did. He was, he uh, went in my bag the night before I flew out and he put my gear because he had asked me when I was packing my stuff, when I was, you know, flying up here, he was like, you're going to bring your wrestling stuff. I was like, nah, man. Cause I left like some of the clothes, a lot of the clothes I couldn't take with me, um, you know, to Alaska. I left them at my dad's house and he just like put them in an old storage unit, you know, outside. But he went and put my wrestling gear in my bag. Cause he knew like, I mean, I, I, you know, because he knew I was going to want to wrestle at some point. But um, I went a couple years, man, with, when I first moved up here. Like, you know, I was, sheesh, um, I found like a hostel. I had like a, a retail job because, you know, that's what I had in Southeast Ohio. There's not a whole lot as far as um, jobs go. And I just like decided to transfer from my retail job um, in Southeast Ohio to the one in Fairbanks, Alaska. And I mean, I sold off everything that I own for the most part and didn't know anybody up here. And I moved up here in October where there's snow on the ground. And it was kind of one of those things like, you know, I, I'm going to have to like do everything I can to succeed, you know, because I have like no support unit because, you know, my my kids' mom and I were not like in any way, shape, or form on good terms at the time. So it was pretty much like just me, you know, like trying to survive and stuff. And I worked, you know, I worked, <clears throat> I worked really hard, you know, to like build a life for myself. And like I'm actually doing, you know, flash forward, you know, all these years later, like. 
and that was October of 2014. Like I'm doing really well. Um, once I, I ended up at the time, my kid's mom and I, we weren't divorced. We had just been separated for years and years. So we ended up um, having to go through this long and exhausting, like, um, you know, court situation. If you've ever had to go through, or if you know of anybody that's gone through anything that has to do with family court, it can be like a long and exhausting process. So I went through all of that. And then, um, once my divorce and, you know, custody situation was finalized and everything was like, there was no drama. Everything was good. You know, it was like 2017 and, um, I, uh, got involved with, uh, a women's promotion that was up here in Alaska. Um, they weren't, you know, really trained or anything. Um, but they were having shows in this like makeshift ring where they were drawing like 600 people, man. Their promotion was great. Like it wasn't because, oh, it's women. Let's go watch women. It, you know, maybe there was a little bit of that, but I mean, they were drawing huge shows and I mean, huge houses to their shows because their promotion and like the promoter, which ended up being my girlfriend now, um, all these years later, you know, she had a background in like media and approached it almost like nightclub, like, like band style performance. Like there was VIP packages with audience participation kits, like stuff that was so far outside the box. Like I give her so much credit as a promoter. Like she was able to really do some awesome stuff. And I met her right when my divorce was finalized and, um, you know, cause I just stepped in and offered to train them. And it wasn't that I felt that I was really qualified to train people. Cause personally there, I feel like there's way too much in wrestling right now of people that are running wrestling schools and taking people's hard earned money that have no business teaching anybody. And I know you've, heard the stories even back in the day of those people that are like, Hey kid, come on down to my wrestling school. And you know, I'll, you'll be on Monday night raw in a year. You know, don't you know, I was a, I was a jobber in WCW and ECW and, and it's some guy you never heard of, but they claimed that they were at all these places. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's been going on yeah. for decades. Oh, decade. And it's still going on. And I think that's a big problem. And I mean, I, I myself, I was like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I just looked at it like, and I talked to a lot of veterans that I respect about this before I started training them. And, and I didn't really claim to train them or anything. Um, it's, it was just, uh, they had told me, they said, just, you know, I, they respected where I was coming from because I was like, I don't want to be one of these guys. And I never train, I never took any money from them. I just offered to help them and to show them the basics and the mechanics because I wanted what they were doing to at least appear to be like wrestling and not just like a big cosplay sideshow. I mean, have some like basic fundamentals in there. 
and and that's what I've done. Um, and uh, that's how I met my girlfriend, and we ended up like you know dating, and um, she's you know been a lot more successful than me. She's had a a big drive and still does, and she's pushed me to better myself in wrestling, and I've got to give her a whole bunch of credit from for her positivity for helping to keep me sane and motivated. And um, one of the things that I did was I, I told her, you know, like, look at it like what I'm showing you is basically like preschool stuff. Like, I want you to go on to get your education in wrestling. Because, um, you know, a lot of those carny trainers, like, you know, that are still around and like we knew back in the day, you know, there's like, you know, fast talking car salesmen are, you know, my way's the only way. And if anybody ever shows you this, then they're wrong. And don't learn from me. Or, or I mean, don't learn from somebody else. You got to do it my way because they want to keep making money, money off you. Like, I don't want to call out, you know, Joe Napier's original trainer by name on your podcast because he's dead now and everything, but you know who I'm talking about. I know who, exactly and, but, who you're talking about. And, but he was, that guy was notorious for having people that were never, ever going to be successful in wrestling ever. He, you know, people would never, you know, he would keep taking money from them every month. And, you know, like, they, I mean, Joe even figured it out at a very young age that when you went to this person's school, you were never going to officially graduate because he wanted to keep making money off you. You know what I mean? You know what's funny? We both figured it out at the same time. He figured it out when mm-hmm. his mom drove us both out there for a visit. And he saw how he interacted with me. And he was like, no, we're not doing this. Right then and there. Well, on the car ride. And you home. guys were super young, weren't young you? As like hell. Like, I remember he like, yeah, you know, it, it's a dance and it's kayfabe mm-hmm. and you're not trying to like hurt each other, whatever. But what, what got me and I think what really got Joe's wheels turning was this big 300 pound dude. He didn't yell or scream at me. But he was like, mm-hmm. he, he was like, you can't push people into the corner that hard. This is a dance, blah, 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 blah. Like, dude, I'm, mm-hmm. 90, I'm 90 pounds. What are you talking about? I'm a 90 yeah. pound, 16 year old kid. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and it just, right then and there, the wheels started turning and we're like, yeah, we're not doing this. No freaking way. Yeah. We're better off just practicing together in the backyard with a mattress. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, or the the sad part is, if that would have been nowadays, you guys could have easily at 16 got online and found like a legit place with a legit trainer that like is going to teach you guys the right way, but not like whip you off and have actual connections. Oh, you mean like James Avery? Like if James Avery would have been an option back then. Yeah, like exactly. Uh, James Avery is a phenomenal trainer. 
was it the Central Ohio Pro Wrestling Academy? I, I want to yeah, say during that time he was he was wrestling a lot. I think yeah, he, he was, was wrestling as Carlton Kaz and wasn't running his school. But yeah, like if it was this if it was this day and age, you would have been able to find James Avery's school and and learn from him. You know, you hear yeah, you hear nothing but good things about him. Absolutely nothing but good yeah. things. And I mean, I actually like because there was a time where I was like, all right. I'm tired of this service industry crap. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I went out there. I did a nice little tryout. He knew instantly from mm-hmm. my lockup where I learned for one. For two, he was like, you need a little bit of a rebuild, which was fine. Of course I did. But mm-hmm. his training classes didn't fit my managerial schedule. So I just couldn't attend. I would have, but you know, I have, yeah. to, I have to work Sundays and his classes are on Sundays and I just, I couldn't do it. And then I got into I get school, it, man. and then I somehow got in the ring again. And, you know, if I had the chance, I'd still go to his school. It's even closer to where I live now. I just. Oh, yeah. I just and can't. I mean, a lot of people that are good have come out of there. Um, and he's got a lot of guys like uh, Tommy Chill. I, th- I think I could be wrong. I think Tommy Chill um, is. I know Tommy Chill is one of his buddies and he's helped out at the school with um training some of the some of the talent um and he's a he's a really really good Tommy's really talented he's uh he lays it in man he's a big boy he's he's snug you feel it but you know when people watch his matches like they don't go home saying man that was fake like he's he's legit and I got to I worked the program with Tommy in 2014 at the XWE before I uh moved to Alaska and I really enjoyed it. I'd love to work Tommy again someday if the opportunity ever, ever came up. Damn. But yeah, James Avery, man, funny story about him. And I, I, you know, I'm going to describe this guy to you and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, I know he's not going to listen to this podcast, but I still don't want to bury him because he's one of my friends outside of wrestling. <laughs> So there was an original XWB guy, and let's just say he was known. He was a heavy set guy that had a flat top that, you know, used to wear like button up short sleeve shirts. That was a real loud mouth, but he was very charismatic and cut good promos. But people either loved him in the locker room or they hated him. If you uh, catch my drift, yeah, a little bit of a Dragon Ball Z video game, uh, Budokai. If you can, if you pick up what I'm putting down, <laughs> yeah, I pick up what you're putting down. <laughs> okay, you, you you know, I don't think anybody else on your podcast is gonna know. I, I, so I hardly doubt this it. This is just for me and you. This, <laughs> yeah, this is just for me and you. Anybody listening is gonna be lost on this, man. <laughs> but this particular person who I love. He's one of my best friends outside of wrestling. He came back for this reunion show and they're going over stuff in the locker room and James Avery's there and they talk about, and they, and one of the guys says, all right, you know, I want to keep everybody in line because Corey had this guy there keeping people in line because he had a bunch of the originals and stuff uh, with this guy included. And, um, the guy, I think it was Samson Grove or something like that, was the guy that uh, he's affiliated with James Avery School. Um, 
he's there, and uh, Samson says, um, all right, guys, I want to make sure, you know, you, you get everything cleared by me, what you do, you know, if that you're not doing the same finish, that not every match is starting with a Pearl Harbor, et cetera, et cetera. Our friend from the old XWE raises his hand and says, just so we're all clear and there's no confusion, I've got to ask, what is a Pearl Harbor? Oh, no. Oh. In a locker room of 30 people, and I put my head in my hand. I was like, oh, no, you didn't. Oh. And then I could hear somebody say, you shouldn't be in this business if you don't know what a Pearl Harbor is. And then, like, he, our friend, was instantly pissed because he realized you know, uh, this was not the old XWE that he was in. It was a lot different. This is a professional locker room where you should know things like that if you're going to be in here. And it was a bad representation for all of the quote-unquote XWE originals. And I was in like an eight-person elimination cage match with James Avery and other people. And I had to walk up to James Avery, and I was like, hey, man, I, I, I got to say something to you. And he's like, yeah, sure, what's up, man? It's totally cool. I said, um, you know, I, I got my start here, you know, when I first broke into the wrestling business at Corey's um, as one of his, you know, original guys. But I, you know, I, after what just happened, I, I want you, I, I just hope that, you guys don't associate me with that because I'm about to work you guys in this cage match. And I, I want you to know, like, I'm trained and I know what a Pearl Harbor is. <laughs> and he laughed and he's like, he's like, man, I can tell by the way you conduct yourself. You know what you're doing. You're totally fine. That's <laughs> You know, awesome. everything was totally good. I, I, I worked him in, I ended up working with him it's the only time I ever worked with James Avery, and it was in that big Brutal Games cage match, which those were always clusterfucks. But, you know, that one was a really fun clusterfuck. You know, it's hard to have psychology in a, in a cage match where you can't go outside the ring and all eight guys are in there at the same time, and you're just doing what you can to, you know, keep people entertained. And, you know, he, I worked with him a little bit, man. He was – he's – James Avery is as smooth as silk, man, in the ring. And I, I really think if I had the chance to work him in a more like, you know, uh, I, in like a one-on-one -on -one or a, a two-on-two tag setting and not one of those big clusterfucks, I'd really be able to produce some good stuff, you know, because he's a really good talent. Yeah, but yeah. I had to let him know, they, I know what a Pearl Harbor I, is. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the, uh, I'm, that's not me. <laughs> but, uh, you Please asked about Russell Pro Alaska earlier. Oh, yeah. Well, one, one quick question. Please tell me that ring up, was bigger when you guys did that eight-man cage match than it was when we were doing oh. shit. Cause dear no, God. bro. Well, <laughs> um, you know, I think it was bigger. It was a. I think it was an eight. It was an eighteen. It was uh, Dirk Extreme's ring. Okay. But still, like you know, it was a cage that was attached to the ring apron 
So, you know, like those old Brutal Games matches, they were like when we didn't have a cage, because the, the original concept was to do it like a cage, but we didn't have a cage back in the old days. But, you know, like people would be fighting outside the ring, you know, and this was shitty because like, like all eight of you were, had to be either in the ring or if you were laying down, it, was, it had to be on the apron because there was like, you know, you were all co- like the cage. It wasn't like a hell in a cell style. It was connected to the ring. So it was a total clusterfuck, man. Jeez. Wow. Sounds insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like Brutal Games always was. <laughs> but yeah, continue about WrestlePro Alaska. Sorry about that. So, Oh, you're good, bro. I mean, my bad. I got off on a huge <laughs> tangent talking about how I got involved with training the women at least to just show them the basics so they could go on to, which only, the only one that went to do anything was my girlfriend. Um, but uh, getting involved with her, she's the one that encouraged me. She's like, you know, there's wrestling in Southern Alaska, which was like a you know five-hour drive. Um, and that was a place called NSA Wrestling. And I had actually been in talks with those guys um, and another promoter that ran uh, before that promotion existed, like since I moved there, like, I mean, it's, it was one of those things like, bro, there was a legit total of like, not counting the women in Fairbanks. There was like 10 workers in the whole state. Wow. Like in the whole state of Alaska at that time, there was like 10 workers tops. So like, you know, when it, when a guy, you know, with experience who had been wrestling in the Midwest moved to uh, Central Alaska five hours away and had been in talks with them on Facebook, like they were talking about, hey, there's this there's this guy in Fairbanks that we know of, you know, because it's such a, I mean, it was such a small community, and you know, like when you look at all those old like pro wrestling territorial maps from back in the day of like the mid-south territory and the awa and florida championship wrestling and you know i mean all the like the old like 70s before mcmahon took over the business like you look at all these territorial maps and bro every single state has a promoter or like a name attached to it like this was part of this territory or whatever except Alaska. Like this has basically been for the most part, virgin territory, even back in the day, like in like 1957, Lou says came up here and defended the world title. There was a few indie shows with like Lou says on it in the late fifties. WWE came here in the late eighties. Bret Hart in his book talks about, the best match that he ever had with Mr. Perfect was in Anchorage, Alaska. And people are trying to find to see if there was like fan cam footage of it. Cause it's considered like one of the Holy grail of lost matches now. But I mean, there was a few indie feds in the two thousands, but for the most part, man, this has been a virgin territory. So like, that's why, I mean, when they, these guys were talking to me about, you know, being on jumping down there, like it was hardly anybody wrestling, you know, in the, you know, 10 in the whole state. So, um, my girlfriend who at the time was, you know, just my friend that I was, you know, working with, 
um, her women, her women's promotion, which has since shut down, you know, she was like, man, you should get back into wrestling. And I wasn't sure about it. So I started wrestling NSA and that's when I started doing the modern day classic thing. And, um, she ended up making my gear for me cause she's a beast with a sewing machine. And I switched trunks and I've totally updated and upgraded my look. Um, and I wrestled at NSA for the last, I mean, from 20, I mean, I still wrestle there. Um, but we had heard that, uh, wrestle pro was coming from New Jersey to Alaska. Cause I mean, WWE comes every few years, but they didn't have a local promoter and they would just come do like a house show, like every six, seven years or whatever. And, um, so Kevin Matthews, who wrestled in Impact as KM, uh, he's the promoter of WrestlePro in New Jersey, like brought a bunch of, you know, uh, talent that he knows, like uh, MJF was on the card, Joey Janela, because, um, you know, they're all like Joey Janela, MJF was trained at uh, Creative Pro in New York, which is affiliated with WrestlePro in New Jersey. Um, and they came up here. Colt Cabana was here, a bunch of people, and they did this big arena show, and it was, you know, they had a huge draw. Uh, they had Nick Foley um, was their special guest and whatnot. And then um, so there was a there was a seminar for the local guys. Um, it was kind of a tryout, like the guys all paid, and Sanjay Dutt at the time was affiliated because it was before Sanjay got signed to be a, a producer for WWE. Um, and he was affiliated with WrestlePro and Impact at the time. And he had a seminar with the local guys and, you know, picked like four local dudes um, to be on the show. Um, I didn't go to the seminar because it was the winter time. It was like December is when that seminar happened. And they told me about it last minute. And from here to Anchorage, like in Alaska, man, it is a two lane road for like six hours and you're driving through the mountains. So, you know, I, I really hate driving those icy highways on a, you know, two lane for six hours. Oh, I've yeah. done it a lot, but that sounds terrible. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy, man. Like, when the people that have done it know what's up and I I've done it way too much. And I was like, man, I'm not trying to go down there and do that. But then, um, before their second show, uh, they is in Russell pro, which later went on to become Russell pro Alaska. It was so successful. And KM fell in Kevin fell in love with Alaska and was like, you know, because they, they came up here to visit, I guess, at one point before they ran a show. They were like, man, we should do a show up here. But, I mean, they didn't even know about NSA because, I mean, I love NSA, but it was so, like, small and didn't have much, like, internet fanfare at all. And WrestlePro is, like, a huge indie fed. Um, it actually used to be Pro Wrestling Syndicate in New York, and then it turned into WrestlePro. So if you ever heard of PWS like in New York that ran for years, that's like what WrestlePro was, you know, initially or originally was, I mean, but then, you know, flash forward, you know, Kevin decides he's going to run here again. And he came, he had a seminar 
in uh, at, at the 907 Pro Wrestling Academy, which was the wrestling school that had reopened in Anchorage. And the uh, owner of the school, the head trainer, uh, is a dude from Tennessee. Um, and he actually trained um, like everybody up here, of course, except me because, you know, I'm an import. But, I mean, all the local guys that currently are up here were guys that he trained. And so he and I get along real well. And he was like, man, you got to go to this seminar, bro. You got to go to this seminar. So I was like, you know what? I'll go to the seminar. But I, I didn't go into it with the mindset of like, I'm going to get booked on WrestlePro's next big show. It was kind of like, I'm going to go into this because it's a chance for me to learn from somebody who's been somewhere and done a lot of stuff and has a lot of knowledge. So I went to Kevin's seminar and I met him. and. Um, you know, like we hit it off pretty well. And, you know, one thing that I know that you could say, and everybody else that's ever been in the ring with me can say is if there's one thing that I've always been really good at, you know, from day one is I can take one of the best fucking ass kickings you've ever seen. (laughs) Why do you think I liked wrestling you so much? (laughs) Exactly. Because I could take that ass whooping like nobody's business. And and I knew I was like going into the seminar and man, my even though I've put on thighs, like my selling has only gotten better over the years because where I've gotten bigger and I don't take as many weird neck bumps with my selling, I've tried to make my selling like more realistic you know, and animated, even though I've gotten bigger and I, I sell for small guys, but you know, I don't, you know, just take like useless bumps, but, um, I try, I've, you know, like I said, taking on this modern day classic persona, I've tried to be a lot more like fundamentally sound and like as funny as it sounds, I've tried to be like the best basic wrestler there is. <laughs> so, which in a seminar, I think a lot of times, where they're going to look at your mechanics and your fundamentals and what you can do, you know, is going to help to have somebody with a mindset like me, you know, because, you know, you see all these guys now. I mean, I'm not trying to single, single anybody out and say the whole business is like this, but you see a lot of guys that can go and do like, a, you know, a springboard 450, but they can't even do a tie-up right. You know what I mean? Or a headlock, it looks like shit or something, you know. And then when you, but, but if you can go in and like all the basic stuff that you do, like that Randy Orton style of like every little mechanical thing that you do in the ring looks flawless. But I'm not comparing myself to Randy by any means, but I was trying to take that mindset of like making all my little things look really good. And it, it ended up helping me out in the seminar. And Kevin told me, hey, like, I want to book you against one of my guys that I'm bringing up here. Um, and it actually worked out really well for me. I, I got booked on WrestlePro and um, I wrestled a guy named Nikos Rikos, who's a really, really talented guy. Um, he has like really, he does, he's a Greek guy. He's the sport, does his Spartan pit bull gimmick. And he has this unique look where it's like, um, uh, it's, do you remember that hard body Harrison guy from WCW? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the dude who had like one pant leg and then like the other side was like trunks. Yes. Yeah. So Nikos has a, his gear is kind of like his, and and also that a guy who worked in ECW called the Prodigy, where it's like he has like one leg that's like full tights, and the other side is like trunks, and then he has like the Andre the Giant style like singlet top, but like the the one arm is like it goes all there's a sleeve all the way down to his wrist. Oh, it's like no. the weirdest looking gear ever, but it's so unique and it stands out. Please tell me that the, and, the trunks are on the other side of the sleeve. Yes. Yes. It's the best. Yeah. It, I mean, and it's all pleather, man. His Like I saw a thing, some article where it was saying like the worst gear on the Indies and somebody put him on there, which was dumb as fuck because his gear looks, I mean, it looks really good. It's like pleather and, you know, his, yeah, his presence, he's a really solid, talented guy. Um, and I got to work him. And uh, this was a show in December. And uh, Animal was there. And Tyson Kidd was there. And the big guest of honor was Brett the Hitman Hart. And when I told Joe Napier, like, bro, I was just on a show with Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, Joe was marking the fuck out. I bet like, he was. <laughs> he was. I mean, I, I, oh, God. And for me, like, I'm telling you, Jason, this was a fucking arena show. Like, I'll send you the match on uh, YouTube. Um, like, I'll send you this match. But, like, it was an arena show. And it was there was, like, a thousand plus people there. And, like, there was a big, long entryway. It was the biggest show I'd ever been a part of, like, bar none. Damn. Like, the presentation, they had, like, a Titantron-style screen and everything. It was just, you know, for me to go from, like, you know, small indies and stuff like that, and then here I am here, and I'm on this show, and I realize, like, I'm really lucky to be here. Um, and then... You know, he decided to open the show up. And I just assumed I'm going to, you know, I think a great ass whipping. I'm going to end up um, putting the guy over, which I'm I'm a total pro. You know, I know that as a babyface, I'll probably get more over if I lose and get more sympathy, especially with how I work. than if I'm like, I got to get my shit in, I want to win the match. You know, I'm not one of those guys. But he decided, he goes, yeah, I want to put this guy over. I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to. And he's wanting to feature me, not just have me be some, you know, Jay Brown. You know, he wants to, you know, you know, pop the house with the local guy winning. So, I mean, I'm I'm imported local. They announced me from Fairbanks, you know, even though I'm not from here, but you know, they consider me, you know, an imported local. But I followed the Bret Hart promo. Wow! Like, wow. yeah. That's pressure. Yeah, I. That's amazing, and yeah, one of the best no experiences ever. But pressure on a monumental scale, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure or anything. I mean, <laughs> like I, I, I told myself when uh, when I saw him and I heard the music and stuff. Like, you know, I was like, don't even look at him. I mean, I, I made it a point to like go shake his hand like later on. But in my mind, I was like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. <laughs> And then, like, the music played, and I could hear it. 
and like knowing that I'm about to go on, you know, and follow this, like I, I'm and it, like this, it was a hockey arena and bro, I, I totally went behind a Zamboni and threw up. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> Cause like my nerves were just shot. I was like, Oh my God. And well, then, um, I, I don't think anyone can blame you. Let's see. Thousand people, <laughs> giant screen. Oh, oh yeah. And following Bret Hart. Yeah. I'd have thrown up too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was crazy. I was like, I'm on this show. Like, wow. Um, it, now, and you being a fellow nineties kid, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Um, after my match, uh, the promoter sends one of the wrestlers to, to get me. He goes, Hey man, um, uh, can, uh, can you get dressed? Because, um, the promoter says that he needs you to take Bret Hart and his son back to the hotel. No. Yeah, I'm like, oh shit! Oh, you um, like throwing <laughs> clothes on? Like, hell yeah! Well, I, I, I was gonna get changed, but then he goes, wait, false alarm. He's got his friend doing it. Oh. But the promoter does come up to me. Um, and this wasn't uh, Kevin, you know, super. This wasn't uh, Kevin Matthews. This was the the local promoter who had like the sponsors and stuff like that. He was the the local wrestling promoter um, that WrestlePro used. But uh, he did walk up to me and say, hey, Jerry, um, Brett wants to, you know, avoid um, the fans and stuff like that um, and just kind of like walk through the back hallways to leave. And given, I mean, bro, this was like six months after that asshole jumped on Brett at the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I could totally understand, like, and he just wants to kind of make a quiet exit out and go back to the hotel with his son. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, I'll lead him through the hall hallways, you know, to the, to get to the end, you know, to get to the entrance. Cause like, you know, there's like the back hallways that, you know, just like, like most like basketball or hockey style arenas, you know, there's like back hallways with the locker room to lead you around to the front and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, so I, you know, I have Brett and his son Dallas follow me and, you know, I was trying not to be like I, I really showed my age because I recognized Dallas. I'm like, oh man, this was the guy that used to have the, you know, everybody else like, oh, that's Bret Hart's kid. I'm like, oh, that's Dallas. Like, <laughs> I'm getting a funny look. Like, huh? I'm like, yeah, he's the one that had the article in the WWF magazine back in the mid '90s. You know, really showing my my wrestling markdom from the '90s. You know, <laughs> I had a subscription. Not gonna lie. Didn't we all? <laughs> yeah. But, bro, like, as I'm walking with Brett, like, you know, a little bit ahead of him down this narrow hallway in this arena to, like, make sure there's no fans and I can, and there's a clear path for him to, uh, to get out. Like, I look back and I totally, because, like I said, it's like a narrow, like, arena hallway. And I totally have a flashback to that fucking WWF new generation commercial. And the little kid in me wanted so bad to look at him and be like, Hey, Brett, 
You know the commercial I'm talking about? The second you brought it up, I was like, oh, I know exactly. Oh. So he's got the little, like, yes. he's like a silhouette because of the, the, the spotlight in the back room and, and the back room, back yes. around. And you hear the, hey, Brad. And then he comes into frame, like, all perfect. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the kid's like, go get him, champ. They're like, WWF, the new generation. Like, like that, I see that, like, that image. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm, this is what I'm living right now. Like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to be cool, you know, and, and not be a, you know, fanboy, which I was, you know, I shook Brett's hand. He's totally nice. And, you know, like, I, I would never be the type of guy that'd be like, yeah, I met Brent Hart and stuff. But like, you know, the fan in me on the inside was like, oh my God, this is, this is like the greatest day of my life. Even though I bruised my ribs in my match and I was sore as shit. You know, <laughs> oh, it shit. was, it, it was awesome. And that was my, my first experience with Russell Pro Alaska. And, um, I've really, you know, I, I've tried to pick the brain of all of the world-class talent that's been there. And I can honestly say that, you know, uh, being a part of that promotion has, um, been probably one of the the best things for me as a wrestler because it's, you know, there's, it's, it surprised me. Like when he posts, when he's put his, um, uh, videos on like the Facebook live stream, they get like 30, 40,000 views, um, from the ones in like September. And, you know, I'm in there with a lot of world-class talent and, you know, Kevin's been, a really giving guy and he's given me a bigger opportunity to be a part of this than I've pretty much ever got from, you know, anybody else in wrestling. Cause you know, in the Midwest, especially when we were coming in, it was, you know, a lot of times the places that I went and the things that I did, it was, you know, you, you get to eat shit and learn to like the taste of it, you know, and it's, you know, coming to Alaska, man, and getting to be a part of this promotion and then, you know, getting opportunities to go and train at like world-class schools. It's, you know, I never thought at my age in my thirties, you know, like I would have like a second chance at wrestling to like really try to do it better and, you know, make the best of it. And it's been a really fucking wild ride and awesome so far and you know i ask myself like you know most people i i hear pe- stories of people you know hanging it up at 36 37 years old but i mean i know i'm you know i'm past the age of what the wwe is looking for and whatever but you know like i get to enjoy wrestling and you know like being in alaska man like I really get to see the world and you know, when I'm going and training and doing shows with my girlfriend in like different States and different places, like I get to go travel and see awesome sites, you know, and stay in sweet hotels and learn different styles and stuff, you know, in wrestling. And it's just, I mean, like, I don't know how long my body's going to say, you know, we can keep doing this. But for now, man, like, I'm really enjoying the ride. And it's just, 
you know, it's it's been really fun. It's been really awesome. But I try not to lose sight, you know, of the the nineteen twenty year old kid that like walked into Logan, Ohio, in like, you know, what you what was like a renovated uh, weight gym, you know, and thought it was the coolest thing in the world to be able to have a wrestling match in a ring, you know, with my you know, two friends from Athens, you know, I try not to lose sight of, of that person, you know, and it's just, it's been a pretty wild ride and I think it's pretty awesome. I, I do miss all my friends though, but you know, it's just, it's fun to, to keep doing it, I guess. Dude, it's awesome. I am super happy that, that not only you got back into it and you're having a great time. You're, you're seems like you're getting like a little bit of the success that you deserve after working so hard. And, and I'm not saying Thanks, that man. Just like little by little, like, maybe you're on the phone doing this podcast with me or that we shared the ring a few times. I'm saying it because you're on the very small one hand list of people that I met in XWE that I could call actual friends. Like, I mean, Joe and Jerome, Thanks, bro. because they were friends from before, but the, the people mm-hmm. like there was always seemed to be, cause you know, me and Corey had our issues and there were, Oh yeah. We, we, I had issues with Corey too. That you know? would, would rather be close with Corey with me. And that was fine, but you and me mm-hmm. messed right away. And I've always considered you a friend. So dude, I'm fucking ecstatic that you were doing so well. And everything seems to be like turning up roses for you. Um, I don't want to take up too Thanks, much. Thanks, bro. You're welcome, man. Of course. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We've already been here on two hours. It doesn't feel like it, but I look at the timer. I'm like, oh, holy shit. Um, but tell well, me. What's been little, a blast is catching up, man. I know it really has. A lot of this is going on the podcast, except for the burying of certain people. But it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I totally didn't even realize it. Like at first that we were even starting. I just thought we were just bullshit. I just, wanted to make sure everything you know? was working right, so I just hit record and I was like, oh, I'll just edit it and post. That's what post is for. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good, man. It's all good. But like so. Who's your favorite guy, either like someone that'll be like a lot of people will know or even somebody that's just like local to Alaska that you've stepped in the ring with since you got back into oh, it? Oh, man. Since I've got back into it, favorite guy that I've stepped in the ring with. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um I, I had the opportunity to get in there with Matt Cross, which was really cool. Um, you know, M Dog Twenty from the he was in the the Don't Try This at Home Backyard Wrestling too. Um, like he was probably the most well known that I've been in the ring with, and that was on this past loop. Um, I would say, as far as just my personal favorite, though that I've had the opportunity to to step in the ring since I got back in the wrestling business. Um, There's a guy named Micah Taylor, and I didn't get the chance to do a whole lot with him, but he was actually in um, Deep South Wrestling, the developmental territory from WWE. He was there and under contract like, when Kevin Matthews came in and he's like, he's in his mid forties in great shape. 
He's an old school pro. And, um, you know, with me and the style of wrestling that I enjoy working, he was like tailor made, no pun intended, <laughs> but like, you know, the, the perfect guy for me to get in there with, because, you know, I still love that old school style of wrestling, you know, from like the eighties and the nineties, you know, and when you got a good heel in there, that's really, and you're a baby face, that's really going to put heat on you and kick your ass. And so you can get those people like emotionally invested, you know, especially someone that can like really improvise and just leave a lot of room for, you know, um, you know, improvisation and just kind of feeling the moment out. Like, you know, a guy like that, I really enjoy, you know, having those opportunities because, um, you know, a lot of people nowadays, you know, they, they do a lot of things, um, you know, kind of plan them out. And I get for, you know, TV up and things like that, you know, you know, people are short on time, but I like being able to just go out there and react and, and just put in work and do cool stuff, but just really do my best, at least on an independent level for those fans that are watching live that are there in person to try to get them invested. And a guy like Micah Taylor is, you know, is really good. Um, there's another, another guy that I've shared a locker room with. I haven't had a chance to like wrestle him yet. Hopefully someday I'll get in there with him. I'm a huge mark for his stuff. They call him the old school Messiah, Sean Donovan. If you get a chance to watch any of his stuff on uh, WrestlePro or on uh, on those uh, Facebook videos or on YouTube, man, check him out. He's really good. He's like a combination of like Arn Anderson meets Bruiser Brody meets Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Like he can move at a quick pace, but he's like a throwback to those like grizzled, brutal, like, but technically sound like, you know, just old school badass heels from like the 80s. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Sean Donovan, man, check him out. I haven't had a chance to work him, but he's definitely on my list of people I'd love to get in there with, and he's a true pro. But I would say, yeah, Micah Taylor for sure is the guy that I've probably enjoyed being in the ring with the most. Do you what was your favorite show on this last last loop you guys did from what looks like the second to the tenth, which seems like a really long time, but probably not in the world of professional wrestling. And then, do you know uh-huh. what's the next loop you guys are doing? Um, oof, let's see, my favorite show. Um, mm, that's a tough one because all five were good and unique in their own way. Um, the, I would say for me as an individual performance, I would say uh, night two, um, the second night of, of five, which was a Soldatna night two, I was in the six person Soldatna street fight. Um, that was an individual performance. I really enjoyed that one. I was in there with like five other guys and it was, you know, I, I got a connect four game snapped in half over my head. It sucked, but it got a huge pop. 
um, it was kind of like a throwback, at least for me, to like being 20 years old and some of those uh, violent XWE hardcore style matches that we did. It just, this one had a lot more psychology and I felt a lot more of the pain <laughs> because I'm not 19 and can, you know, get hit by a truck and get up and keep going, you know, and, and, every, and be fine the next day. Um, that one I really enjoyed. But I would say um, going forward and overall, I think the very last night um, I had a tag match with my tag partner, um, Timmy Halky, um, who looks like kind of like a smaller version of me. He's got the, the long hair and the beard and everything, but he's just like really, he's a lot shorter and skinnier, but he's athletic and can do some really cool stuff. And he's, I would say probably, in my opinion, the best local Alaska talent, um, aside from Dion Roosman, who uh, looks kind of like Aquaman and Roman Reigns, and he's probably going to get signed. But uh, Dion didn't train here. He trained at Seth Rollins' school. But uh, my partner, Timmy, we had a good match um, against the amazing Grayson, and that was uh, night two of Palmer. That was the, the last night of the tour. Um, and that's on Facebook if you want to check that one out. I could send you the link in the timestamp if yeah, you ever wanted to see it. But. Yeah, for sure. And send me, send me that street fight too because I was going to probably mm-hmm. – I'm glad you mentioned that that was your favorite one on the loop because that was the one I was going to call in this little double feature of interview slash Bruce Cruz podcast, the only podcast that brings you pro wrestling for your ears kind of special that I'm going for to grow this thing. Mm-hmm. So, dude, I can't wait cannot wait hell yeah i'll send you both of them man whichever yeah. one you want to call you know i i know it'll be entertaining i'll make sure to to watch watch it with your commentary yeah dude i'll do you both. know i never thought that commentary could be so much fun especially like mm-hmm. sitting in your room slash studio in front of a computer but goddamn, it's fun as hell <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i mean i you know, I, I've got to know, man, you know, because, see, for ever, all of your listeners, the Bruce Cruz has a totally different meaning than what it does to me because I've taken the original Bruce Cruz. Yes, you have. Actually, they've actually heard the story because I was calling, I forget who he was wrestling, but Juice Robinson was wrestling somebody in the G1 Climax, uh-huh. and he hit somebody with the Bruce Cruz, and I marked out like a 12 year on on my podcast and went on a little rant about why I marked out like a 12 year old and told him the origination of it. But yeah, a lot of people still don't know. Cause if they didn't listen to that episode, they don't know, but yeah, I miss doing that to people. <laughs> I, I gotta know. Do you start it off? Like, do you start your show off with it's time for the Bruce Cruz? Kind of. So I had Jason oh, help okay. me, um, do like I was doing it and I had little Jason help me do it. I stole from home improvement and I go, does everybody know what time it is? And then Jason comes oh. in with it's bruise cruise time. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, little Jason, that's you gotta let little Jason know that his dad has laid waste to many a people in Southern Ohio with that, <laughs> with that saying, <laughs> 
time to feel the bruise cruise. And then I hit it. That was the most indie shit ever. Yelling it out. And hey, I, I used to get some height on that move, man. <laughs> you and Jerome always jumped the highest for that shit. Jerome jumped too high once. His equilibrium was. Oh, I believe it was Jerome, man. <laughs> He was too – man, where's he at these? He was too athletic for his own good, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't talk to those guys as much anymore. Oh, man. I'm in my own little hey, world. I know what you mean. Hey, uh, if you want Joe Napier's number, man, I can give it to you. I talk to him every great once in a while. Yeah, message me that. I haven't talked to him in years. I need to talk to him. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll shoot you a message and try to get what's going on with him whenever, whenever we wrap it up. He uh, – I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you, man. Uh, yeah, I would love to talk to him. It's been too fucking mm-hmm. long for someone that I spent so many years with. Um, before we wrap up, do you know what the next loop is, or have they oh, not made um, a decision yet? Let me double check. I don't have the exact dates, but what it's called is the uh, Great Alaska Bash. And it's kind of like a spoof of the old WCW uh, Great American Bash. And there's going to be, um, I believe, uh, let's see, I want to say it's either two or three um, days in a row. It's not going to be like before where we, this one where we did, where we did a whole week. Um, oh, sorry, it's it's three days in a row. It's coming up in August, and it's um, Anchorage. Alaska on the 26th and then Palmer, Alaska on the 27th and then Soldotna, Alaska on the 28th. Uh, they just opened Anchorage up um, without, after all the COVID restrictions. So I know everyone's excited to have um, events in the biggest city in the state. So um, they've got uh, the BWO is on that one. Oh, no way. Like uh, si- Simon Dean. AKA Nova, uh, the Blue Meanies on board, um, the regular guys they've got like uh, Impact Wrestling's Falaba, um, uh, Dion, like the guy I was saying about Iceberg, Dion Roosman, he's really good. Um, and they are bringing in um, Matt Cardona and Brian Myers, AKA uh, uh, Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins from WWE. And uh, the big announcement that he made was that uh, Jay Lethal's coming up, but he's not just coming up as Jay Lethal. He's resurrecting the Black Machismo character. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, I can't challenge the Bruiser Nation to watch that on the Wrestle Pro Alaska Facebook page and donate. Oh, that's for free, too. Promotion. For free. <laughs> <laughs> So as is customary with podcasting, go ahead, plug Russell Pro Alaska, plug Mm -hmm. your merch if you have any, and of course, plug your girlfriend's merch and where we can find it all. All right. Um, So check out uh, Russell Pro Alaska's Facebook page at um, just Russell Pro Alaska on Facebook. as far as my lady goes, uh, she's fresh off her appearance a few months ago on AEW Dark. Um, Freya the Slayer, she's on Twitter. She's on Facebook. She's on Instagram. 
She doesn't have a MySpace because she's not a dinosaur like me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have a I don't have a di- I don't have a MySpace anymore. Yeah, yeah um, both of us are not anymore. <laughs> no, it's a not anymore. But uh, you can catch me on Facebook, um, Jerry Bishop. I'm on there. Um, I don't do Twitter really, um, but I do have an Instagram, and that's um, that's uh, at uh, MDC. Uh, which for all the Bruce Cruz, you know, people that are old school with uh, Mr. McCarthy and I, um, that stands for the modern day classic tribute to our friend Joe Napier. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. It's MVC Jerry Bishop on Instagram. And uh, for my merch, um, it's teespring.com slash stores slash Jerry Bishop is where you can find um, my Teespring store. In my merch, um, I've got a lot of cool stuff on there. And uh, as far as my girlfriend's stuff goes, it's uh, teespring.com slash stores slash uh, Freya dash the dash Slaya, S-L-A-Y-A. And she's got a lot of cool stuff. Um, and yeah, um, I ha- I hopefully uh, will uh, will come back on the uh, the Bruce Cruz the Bruce Cruz podcast and um, now that I'm a bigger guy and I'm doing more power moves, Jason, I'm gonna let you know uh, the next time I get an opportunity uh, as a tribute to my old school friend, um, I'm gonna try to bust out uh, a Bruce Cruz. Yes. In a match. I love it. I love it. I'll mark out like a 12-year-old <laughs> when I watch it, too. Yeah, dude, you are always welcome whenever you can find the time. I know, like, especially with restrictions lifting, you're probably going to be hitting the road as much as possible. I would love to be able to work it out to where Miss Freya the Slayer can be on with us next time. And I'll be honest, I mean, if you had mm-hmm. a good time and you want to, after I put, I'm going to try to post this by Tuesday before I hit the road for Jacksonville. If, uh, you want to let some of your friends listen to it at, or fellow professional wrestlers, I should say, listen to it. And if they want to hop on, let me know. We'll make it work out, man. This has been really fun. Definitely, man. I'm, I'm going to share it and I'm going to, you know, see what I can do about getting some people on board because, you know, this was one of the funnest podcasts I've been a part of, man. And it was, you know, of course I'm biased because I've known you for like, what are we at? 17 years, yeah, you know, like that. that, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's always a blast, man. Awesome, dude. Well, once again, dude, thank you so much. I mean, it might be dinner time for you. I still don't know what the time difference is. Yeah. I, I, uh, four, I'm four hours behind. It's uh six twenty five over here. <laughs> wow. It's like ten thirty. <laughs> All right, buddy. Hey, oh dude, man. Dude, thank you so much for <laughs> hopping on with me tonight, man. Good luck on that next loop. We definitely stay in touch. And I'm going to throw um, links to WrestlePro Alaska, both your merch stores, yours and Freya the Slayers, um, into the um, description of the episode when I post it, too. Awesome, man. Sounds good, bro. Oh, and um, people can also catch me at uh, NSA Wrestling on Facebook. I'll go ahead and put that in the description as well, good sir. Awesome. (laughs) All right, my friend. Dude, it was great catching up with you, man. You have a good night. You too, bro. Have a good one, man. You too, man. All right, later. Later.